have there is a mouthful. Uh, the day of the Lord, we'll look at that. A thief in the night uh, is meaning that there's an unexpectedness. A thief in the night is going to come when nobody's going to be expecting. Um, and really, the, it's the the thief is not a thief to the to the church. Okay, the Lord is not a thief to us, but to all the unbelieving world, um, is terrifying, terrible judgment. And and we know that no sane thief is going to announce that he's going to be coming. And he doesn't send us a postcard, doesn't send us a text or anything. Hey, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm going to rob your house between uh, eight and ten tonight. So could you just get out of there for a little while? <laughs> that's that's the thief in the night. Uh, but we're going to concentrate on the day of the Lord. We'll probably go through these pretty quick. But uh, let, let's look at uh, let's look at Isaiah two twelve. We'll just look at a few of these. And remember, in, in the Old Testament, you get an immediate judgment often, but it points to an ending judgment. And that's a really good rule of thumb to always keep in mind because it doesn't just end with that judgment, but there is something that it's really pointing to. In Isaiah 2.12 it says, For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty, against everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased. So Isaiah uh, brings something forth here uh, that would be a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. Verse 11, he says, The proud look of man will be abased, the loftiness of man will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So this section is really giving us a picture uh, during the future day of the Lord. But there was the Babylonian captivity, and Isaiah is writing of that. And that's a day of the Lord in that sense, a judgment upon Israel as Babylon comes in, a day of reckoning, the proud and lofty Israel was. Um, but we, we know that ultimately it's, it's going to point even further. Um, go to um, Isaiah uh, chapter... Uh, Isaiah 2, verse... Did I, did I look at verse 6? Oh, you didn't read um, verse 6 yet. Wait a second. You're kind of backwards. Yeah, I'm sorry there. Let's go to Joel, okay? Joel is probably the one that is most known for the statement of the day of the Lord, even though it's throughout the Old Testament prophets. Um, we'll just look at, at uh, several of these. Uh, starting at 1.15. Kind of work through here. One fifteen. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. The context of this is the devastation of locusts that would be upon um, the nation there, uh, nation of Israel. And so that... Uh, or, um, I think it's Edom. Anyway, there's going to be a judgment upon them. In there in uh, in the day of the Lord, but as, when we get into chapter two, we'll see that that expands much further away from their day, all the way to the end time judgment. Um, chapter two, verse one: Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Now, that's a visitation of the Lord. It definitely applies to the fact that there's still going to be judgment there at that time, but as chapter 2 builds up, especially get near the middle of the chapter, it extends much further out, and it extends to that uh, end-time thought. If you look at chapter 2, verse 11, it says, "...the Lord utters His voice before His army. Surely His camp is very great, for strong is He who carries out His word." The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? Um, now, I think he's speaking to a a group of people that being pictured of how the Lord's going to judge them, but much more now as he talks about the future. You'll notice a great, very awesome. You know, of course, we saw something pretty great, pretty awesome. You know, everybody be saying awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. That's cool. You know, and everything. People would be crying and stuff. But you know, that was yesterday with the eclipse. This day of the Lord, uh, this what we just saw is nothing compared to what God is going to bring on in, in the judgment. It, it is a, a day of awe. And when you say day, you're talking more than a 24-hour period. We're talking 
um, during the, the last of the days. Um, in, in chapter 2, verse 31... Uh, uh, let's pick it up in 28. It'll come about after this that I will pour out My Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out My Spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. People are in awe when they see things up in the sky, don't they? Mm-hmm. And this is something that is not only seen in the Old Testament, but it runs rampant in the New Testament. Jesus spoke about it. John writes about it in Revelation. And uh, so you've got tremendous wonders that are up in the sky. Mentions the sun, the moon. Of course, the stars are mentioned and such. So this is definitely now speaking about the uh, the very end times and uh, the magnificence. Somebody would say, well, verse 28 and 29, that already happened. And you'll see it in Acts chapter 2. Because Peter quotes from this, but <clears throat> that wasn't the, the total meaning of this passage. There was a glimpse, a, a preview, if you may, of what will happen in the future. Because Peter quotes this right out of Joel 2. And yeah, there, there were some amazing things that were happening. And he was pouring his spirit out. And, you know, and of course, there, there's some you know, supernatural things. I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And somebody said, well, that's, that's a culmination of That's the completion. It's a preview. There is something to that, but it's not the full prophecy because you keep reading the wonders in the sky, blood, fire, columns of smoke, sun. We don't see that in Acts 2, although we see some amazing things as far as the, the birth of the, the church and the Holy Spirit working there in powerful ways. So, um, we're seeing the day of the Lord as it ex- expands out. Uh, go to Amos chapter 5, verse 18. And uh, uh, think of uh, right after Joel is Amos. Sorry, chapter five, verse eighteen. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be darkness. I mean, he's going to turn the lights out. Uh, verse twenty: darkness instead of light, gloom, no brightness in it. So it's definitely gloominess, darkness, vengeance, destruction, cataclysmic, final judgment stuff. This is this is not a day that we we can rejoice in. We can, for God is bringing His judgment on, and thank you that Lord, this is part of Your plan. But at the same time, it's a negative aspect. Uh, five, verse twenty. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? Uh, go to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Very last uh, book of the Old Testament. Behold, I am coming to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Great and awesome, great and terrible. He, you know, It's a day of terror. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. And the Old Testament ends with the word curse. Uh, but, of course, there's a blessing for the ones who you know trust in Him. So, before that great and awesome day is going to be Elijah, and that's one to, to keep in mind there. Go to Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. So, throughout, throughout, not Zechariah, but Zephaniah, might have to do some turning here. Little little bitty books here. Zephaniah chapter one, verse fourteen and fifteen. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In its in it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. So this would be speaking about in this in this chapter of Zephaniah. It's about judgment on Judah, on Israel. Okay. So is this is this a uh... Also, during the time 
in which it's being written is just like a, a, one of those prophecies that is like, this is going to happen, and then this is also going to happen in the future. This is going to happen because Israel is being rebellious, like where there's going to be great destruction and gloom and bitterness and all this stuff, but it's also going to happen in the end. Exactly. It's a near fulfillment, uh-huh. so they can see that. Mm-hmm. And people will see it. We look at it historically and say, yeah, God did exactly what He said He did, mm-hmm. was going to do. If we'll look at verse 18 now, it says, Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath, and all the earth will be devoured. Now we jump up, and we're not only looking at Israel now and Judah, but we're looking at the whole earth. And so there, that's exactly what you said. Right in that same chapter, just a few verses, he shows the near, and the best way to think of it is a mountain. Mountains, like in Colorado, and you're driving, you see this mountain, and you get up so far and all of a sudden you get on this mountain and you see another mountain that's even bigger. It's past that. I've done that before. Right? <laughs> you run up the hill and you're like, I'm almost there. Yeah. And then you reach the top and there's just like a little dip and then another. <laughs> it's like, there's there. more hill. <laughs> and that's what was involved here. So those Old Testament prophets, they're telling us it's going to happen. And it did happen in a few short years. If God can do that, he certainly can do this ultimate judgment, can't he? So those that rule is really good to know. Because a lot of people would say, well, that was during the time of Israel and that day of the Lord is over. It's done. And then it was done in Acts 2 because the Lord came, the Holy Spirit came, so there's no more day of the Lord. Well, uh, that's problematic. We have all sorts of problems with that because there's a near future um, judgment. And uh, we'll, we'll, that's what we're going to look at, at in a moment. Yeah, I mean, there's one after another after another. Um, Turn to Isaiah 7.14 and we'll we'll get into those. So they say the Holy Spirit is already... Did they say the events of Acts 2 didn't happen? Well, okay. um, Let me turn there and pass Peter's preaching because he draws right out of Joel... Um, verse 17 and 16 he says this okay Peter's preaching right Mm -hmm. and of course when you preach you use uh, correlating verses that go along with what amazing things are are happening at this time that Peter relates to and 16 says this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel now there's amazing things you have people speaking in tongues right He says, and it should be in the last days, God says that I will pour forth of my Spirit in all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. You know, even those things, I don't even know if we see that in Acts in, in, in its total fulfillment, there might have been some things happening, but it didn't it didn't happen on everybody any, anyway. But even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. He's putting forth the fact that the Holy Spirit would be put forth. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the main key. You'll keep seeing Spirit here. And that's where... Uh, they received the Holy Spirit. They were full of the Holy Spirit. People became believers. Now they had the Holy Spirit living in them. Anyway, he says, And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Remember back in Joel and other places about the, the columns of smoke, the fire, the blood? The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of those things did not happen, did they? We don't see in Acts 2 where we're talking about the signs that are in the sky. The sun turned into darkness, the moon into blood. Jesus related to that in Matthew 24, but He was talking about a time when He comes back. Not at this time of the Holy Spirit that being cast out on the believers. So definitely there's a preview there of what's to come, but it's not a fulfillment of Joel 2. In its fullest sense, he was Joel was pointing all the way to that that those other mountain ranges that are beyond that first. So there is something that did happen, some pretty amazing things, but not all of that that we can even apply that to. But Peter is looking at it, says this, and he's not necessarily saying all of this is happening, but he is saying the Lord and His Holy Spirit is being poured out, and he so he 
he takes that whole section out of Joel and quotes that because he knew that this was an amazing thing. It was, wasn't it? I mean, so, the church is is born. I have a question as well. Do you think this verse here? Uh, let's see. Uh, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Um, do you think those verses? Correlate with the revelation where the Antichrist is going to come and make fire. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay. Exactly. That's oh. that's really where it's pointing to. <laughs> there we go. Just so familiar. Okay, we, we've done several Old Testament. There's there are many more, but you get the idea. And I'm just saying, okay, near, far. Right. Most of the time, it's really pointing to the further one. God will judge all of mankind. He did that at the flood. There will be something even more awesome and terrible whenever He has this day of wrath. So, now, what we need to do is turn to Matthew 24. We're going to look at uh, what we're going to call here the seals. Seven seals. And you might want to maybe hold your thumb in Matthew or have a bookmark there and then also in Revelation chapter 6. Okay. Scripture says that before the day of the Lord can come, and we just looked at some things about the day of the Lord. Before it can come, according to Malachi 4.5, which we turn to, Elijah has to come back as a forerunner of the Messiah. Just like when Jesus came the first time, there was one like Elijah. And it's pointed out, Jesus even recognized that, but who was that? John the Baptist. Whenever Christ comes back the day of the Lord His second time, there is going to be Elijah, who was taken up in the whirlwind. Um, so that has to happen. Secondly, in Joel 3.9, it says that before the day of the Lord, the nations will be gathered into the valley of decision. Okay, that is future because he's now dealing with nations, not just Israel, but the nations. They have to, to come together in there. And you look in Zechariah 14, you'll see them coming on the city of Jerusalem all around uh, Israel. And of course you think of uh, where Armageddon is, the this, the area of Armageddon. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, those things have to happen for the day of the Lord. For the rapture to happen, does there have to be anything happen before, you know, when Christ comes back? Not really. It's imminent. That means He can come back at any time. But the day of the Lord, there have to be certain things that will happen. Second um, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, we've looked at that. The apostasy has to come first. Because they were asking, Thessalonians were asking, hey, is this the day of the Lord? Or somebody says that Christ has already come back and they were confused. And he says, don't you remember I told you about all this stuff? You know, I don't have to write about this again. Um, but, but So he says the apostasy will come first. That is a major uh, turning away from the Lord. Um, is that happening now? Yeah. I... I Definitely in a, in a lot the, of ways. Absolutely. They say that the Catholic Church has already, uh, the Pope has already signed a lot of deals with a lot of leaders to come together to make one, one religion. Yeah, one religion, mm -hmm. one uh, government, mm -hmm. and uh, you put that together, you know, it's a one world. And uh, of course, a lot of those things are right in place. And of course, one thing that they all agree upon that they want to come together on is what? The weather. That's a big deal. If you don't go along with the rest of the world on that, uh, you're castigated. The weather? You mean climate change? Yeah, climate oh, change. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Climate. Okay, so these are just prelimination. These are things that have to happen. Um, stars go out. Sun goes dark. Moon gets black. We read that in Joel. We'll see it in Revelation. Jesus speaks about it in Matthew. We see it constantly over that has to happen at, at this time and then people are going to go around saying peace and safety while all this stuff is happening say so how can that happen when people will be saying peace and safety when you have the worst time that that really the world has ever known false religion it's is it not the way of satan and he is so deceiving that the satanic kingdom of, of the antichrist um People will not be expecting a day of the Lord. They don't even believe in it. All the signs are going to be happening. 
And these are pretty tremendous signs here that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Because of climate storm. Matthew 24. Um, you remember the the disciples uh, say in verse three, "Okay, here's the Lord," and this is his last week with them, right? And they say, "Tell us when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming?" And the end of the age. So they ask a question: uh, When is it going to happen? What's the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? And he goes into this long uh, answer, uh, and he actually answers it. It's not until about verse 29 and 30 to that we start getting uh, specifically. So he starts off with something we're very familiar. Jesus answered, said to them, "See to it that no one misleads you." And that's a key word right there: mislead. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and mislead many. So in verse 5, he speaks about somebody misleading them. Alright? And, um, by the way, jump down to verse 8. We're kind of going over some of these things. But he says, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And that's... That's a key thought because that's what he's going to do now. He's going to start doing the birth pangs. And of course, uh, birth pangs means something that is in, intense. It's something that builds up more and more. It's, it, it, can, it happens quickly, right? And so he uses that. In Thessalonians, in our chapter that we're at, in our context there, he says the same thing, right? So Paul is saying it. Jesus is saying it here because he's talking about the end of the age. And uh, so that, that's a key thought and, and how quickly that can happen and how intense. So the very first one is... Um, how about... We're talking false prophets, right? And there will be mis- many misleading... So he starts off with a, a bunch of them. Um, go over to Revelation six. The, these are the the seals, and in six verse one, then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals. Now, you remember, only the Lamb is able to to break these seals, to open these seals up. You have seven seals as far as the Roman government is concerned when you have a last will, a testament, and it's it's given for somebody, whatever you're leaving there. It would have to be done in seven seals. It would be broken one at a time when it was time to open them. Well, that's what he's using here. People would know uh, very much what that was. I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come, I looked, and behold, a white horse... And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. If you look at John with what he's saying versus what Jesus is saying, he's talking about false prophets, they'll mislead you. One here is coming in a white horse, and at first you can say, oh, well, that's Jesus. Well, many are going to be coming in the name of Christ, some are going to be saying they're uh, back in the uh, 90s there was a Lord Maitreya um, who was supposed to be the Antichrist. And of course there's been some other ones you know, they have mentioned who could be that Antichrist. But an Antichrist is that ultimate leader at the end that will lead the, the world against, against Christ. Uh, and John just starts off here with basically the same thing. One who was on a white horse, he went out conquering and to conquer. You notice that he has a bow. He doesn't have arrows. And he's conquering, but how is he conquering? Politically. It's, it's not a, a sense in that he is trying to cause war to happen when he, when he comes, but he's going to mislead people, as Jesus says. Well, we could take that first one and say, well, you know, you just, you're just taking that and making it try to fit. But as we go through each one of these, we'll see how they parallel with what Jesus had said. So, really, if one believes that there's an Antichrist, and 2 Thessalonians calls him a person, a man, not just thoughts or ideas, 
but one who stands in the holy place. He takes on a portrayal of what a person is and is given. So there are false Christ, false prophets. Here in John, it's going to lead up to what? Antichrist. So it starts with that. The second one, if you go back to Matthew... Okay, he says in verse 4, right? Misleading. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, will mislead me. The next one, verse 6, is you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that's not yet the end. Well, for 2,000 years, as a matter of fact, as long as mankind has been around, there's been wars, there's been rumors of wars. There's wars right now that are rumoring North Korea. Yeah. You know, we could get into all-out war with them in the next 24 hours. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Because uh, Hawaii's under, like, alert for being attacked by missiles, nuclear missiles. Exactly. That, there's a threat. We can't deny that. So that's a rumor of wars. They've always been. But they have been even more intense in our lifetime. There's always wars going on. Wherever you look. Uniting the troops and the United States is gathering allies. Right. Right. So, But even at that, this, in Matthew 24, he's talking wars and rumors of wars. We go back to our revelation. Let's see how that fits with what John talks about. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So at this particular time, now we're somebody that's taking peace, what, what's happening here? They're slaying one another. We're I think it would be safe to say, I don't think we're stretching it, that right. this could be war. You have a white horse that looks like peace. And remember in 1 Thessalonians, what does it say? Peace. Mm. Peace. Peace and safety, right? right? A white horse looks like peace, safety. Antichrist is promising all sorts of things, even to Israel. Mm. And they just buy right into it, get into a covenant. So, Christ spoke about wars, rumors of wars. Like we say, that there are always been around, but during this time period... As soon as you have a little bit of peace, very quickly, sudden destruction is going to start happening and you have wars. And that's the nations coming together. Turmoil. So we go into a third seal. Let's go back to what uh, Jesus spoke about in 24. Um, and by the way, in verse 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be Famines and earthquakes. Famines and earthquakes. When you have famines, what does that mean? Lack of food. food. Lack of food. Shortage of food. Extreme shortage of food. Let's go to Revelation 6. Let's look at the third seal. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse... And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, do not damage the oil and the wine. Uh, Extremely high uh, prices. Uh, Let's take a loaf of bread. Dollar twenty-five, dollar now, you know, whatever. Uh, at that time, we could be talking twenty, fifty dollars for a loaf of bread. How about a day's wage? How about a week's wage for a loaf of bread? Uh, you wouldn't have any. Let's say it might be to the point you wouldn't have any money left except just to buy food. If you could do that, people will be starving to death because people will be people will be dying at this time. So, uh, very extreme um, as far as food is concerned. Jesus spoke, what? Famines, right? Famines. Now, these are just birth pains. These aren't... This is just, you know, it's building up. You got somebody comes in, looks like there's going to be peace, white horse. Then all of a sudden, what was this? A red horse. Mm -hmm. Now you got black horse. You're speaking, people are going to be dying. 
of course the wars, of course they do, famines. What's, what's the fourth one? What's happening here? What does Jesus say? Verse 9, by the way, says in 8, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now granted, a lot of these things could go on through history before this, but we're talking now when birth pangs start, we're talking about something now that's just going to build and build. It's just going to get worse. Very rapid it will get to. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations because of My name. At that time, many will fall away. There's your apostasy. And will betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will arise, will mislead many. Lawlessness is increased. People's love grow cold. Of course, always kind of does that. One who endures to the end, he will be saved. And this gospel is to be preached to all nations. So, what he's saying here is what? Tribulation. There's going to be martyrdom. Um, he says you. It would be people that would become believers. Four different horses that Jesus used. That's the, that's the pale uh, horse that we'll see in Revelation. Let's look at the Revelation 6 one now. So the day of the Lord. There's a lot of you know. Why am I going to all this detail? The the thing is, is because the day of the Lord. There's a lot of things that's going on, and um, it will increase with intensity. Thessalonians said birth pangs, right? So that's that's why I'm kind of taking the time to go through this. Uh, verse seven. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, remember, he, He's the one. It's only the Lamb that can open, open this book up. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. So you got a lot of just... Uh, natural things that are happening here, um, pestilences, the the wild beast of the earth, uh, not all just like a, a supernatural thing, but it's it's carrying out. And of course, death and Hades here is is dealing with. There's there's even more death. Uh, people are dying. We'll run into the fifth seal here that goes with those four that Jesus spoke about. When you look at verse 9, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar of the souls of those who had been slain, what? Because of the Word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will You refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? These people came from the earth and they were believers. There was given to each of them a white robe. They were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. He said there are more to come. There's going to be more believers, Christians, that are going to be martyrs like you. So is this, um, when it's speaking about these believers who are being martyred, is that including all those from the Reformation? And you could look at it this way, but I think if we're talking about this day of the Lord, mm-hmm. even though and 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 yeah, that could be the saints from all through the years. I mean, there's no doubt you have a whole thing that you can you can roll out here mm-hmm. and include, you know, the the believers all through history. But I think ultimately we're seeing what's going on at this particular time, this day of the Lord, which is just a few short years, and boom, things are happening quicker and quicker when you get. Like when we go to that fifth one, which goes right into the, the martyrdom, it's mm-hmm. almost like those two seals are wrapped in, in one. Right. When John it puts it, but it is like at that time, because there's always been, you know, people claim to be Christ or like Christ. Yeah. There's always been wars. There's been famines, and martyrdom, <laughs> um, and, and and time you get to chapter seven, you know, you, you kind of do see, you know, believers there and such. Um, so what we've arrived at now, these, these are believers who were killed. So, 
is mounted up. That gets us to the sixth seal. This is the one we're all familiar with. And again, this is, this is, all these things have to happen. Here's one that we've read and read quite a bit today. We start getting into supernatural things now. More than just, those are natural things that happen, right? But they're boom, 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 boom. They're going to get closer. Yes. Is the fifth martyrdom also? What what you have here in John, the fifth seal, he talks about the martyrs in in verse um, seven and eight. You have widespread death on the earth, okay, and you carry that right on into what would be the fifth seal here. It's bringing the Christians into martyrdom also. So like widespread death, meaning like uh, along with plagues and pestilence and. Like diseases? Right, you have the sword, but then you have the famine, which has already been mentioned on top of that. Now it's even worse. Then you have pestilence, uh, the diseases, the, the the wild beasts of the earth are allowed to Attack you know, to, to take over. So this is um, a lot of the things that are happening. A lot of Christians would be being killed at this time, obviously, because of their, their stance. And then it's it's like an all-out war on believers at this time, which takes in that fifth seal. Yeah. So the fourth seal and the fifth seal are kind of, in, in a sense, the way that John uh, has them there. You know, it's it's like it kind of blends in with what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24. Uh, they're not using the same words, but if you you know parallel those, um, it, it kind of shows the idea of the the birth pangs. If you went back to Matthew 24:15. Uh, he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Jesus says here, this was written by Daniel. It already did happen once, but this is before the time of Jesus. Jesus is speaking in the future here. And so therefore, that was a picture there. There was an abomination of desolation where one in and desecrated uh, the temple by bringing the pig on the altar and then slaying it there. And, and of course, the Romans even um, you know, kind of were involved in that. You think of even 70 A.D. But it's pointing much further because as we build and build on this, we move to verse 29. Um, But immediately, after the tribulation of those days, we're jumping now to just as Christ is getting ready to come back for judgment. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky. What does that sound like? Does it sound like Joel? Sound like other Old Testament prophecies? It's, it's going to sound like what John writes in Revelation. Here we have Jesus speaking about the same thing. And He says, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. What are they going to see? They're going to see the Son of Man coming. They'll see Him visibly. He will send forth His angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So, what you have is leading all the way up to the time that Christ comes back. We've seen these birth pains. We've seen these seals open. That right there is the sixth seal that Jesus speaks about here as uh, the second coming of Christ as far as His judgment is concerned. And in Revelation... That's what you get in chapter 6, verse 12. Did we read that yet? No. Okay, this is a supernatural event. Matter of fact, the sixth and the seventh seals now will be supernatural. They'll, they'll go beyond those first five, and they'll be much quicker. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth, made of hair. The whole moon became like blood. Does this sound like what Jesus spoke about? He's going right on through with just paralleling what Jesus had spoke about. Stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth, the great men, and the commanders, and the rich, and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, 
fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him. Now, you, you would have people that would be considered to be atheist. Um, there are no atheists in foxholes or cave holes. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. <laughs> they know who it is. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? So, we get the culmination of all this. Everything is getting ready to blow after that sixth seal. The, the seventh seal is going to happen very quickly. Remember these birth pangs. Uh, it's been building up. But if we take the 70th week of Daniel that uh, we talked about last week, that, that would be the seven years. In the midst of that, three and a half years, the abomination of desolation. And then it seems after that, um, we, we get a lot of supernatural events happening. Uh, progressively intense as is the way that it uh, is taken there. By the way, on that um, second birth pain, you know you have red the red horse, right? Look in um, Revelation chapter nine. This is during the trumpet judgments. This is, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments are in, are in the seventh seal. Okay, you have the trumpet judgment. The bowl judgments are unleashed in, in rapid fire succession. The sixth angel sounded, heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One sang to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Okay, in the book of Daniel, we see that angels and demons have wars, don't they? In the book of Daniel, you have Michael the archangel there and uh, a lot of things going on that we would never see. There's, there are angelic uh, battles going on constantly. It's being set up. And of course, you know, we come in and play our part, but the angels have a lot to do with this. And so there's angels there that are bound at the great river Euphrates. He mentions this river. Is there a Euphrates River? Yeah. yeah. Kind of what divides the east from the west. Still yet. Today. Four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year. There's God's absolute sovereign control, isn't it? And has it planned out exactly what's going to happen. Were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. I would take it this would be demons. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. I think John is saying something here more than just taking this in a spiritual sense. What's a, it's just a, a lot of people. It's, it's a big army. When John wrote this, there weren't even 200 million people on the face of the earth. How could, how could you understand that? Yours says 200 million? Yeah. Do you have that? Mine says twice 10,000 times 10,000. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, that's. Um, Start taking the, the, the powers to it, right? <laughs> so, a third of mankind is going to be killed. 200 million. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates, the color of fire, hyacinth, brimstone. He, he's trying to describe this in, in a way that doesn't exist at that time. You know, How, how can you envision... Um, this big of an army. Of course, in China, I have heard that they have a 200 million man army. Hmm. And they have had in, for the last couple of decades. And that may not be an act of service, but it would be the ones that they could call up immediately. And by now, it could be. Right. Um, but um, at any rate, is that reasonable? Well, absolutely. 
Um, I think at one time we had 200 million people in America, not an army of 200 million, but China we know is well populated. How many is in America today? 300 million? Something like that? Yeah. yeah but our nation is divided against itself right now. <laughs> yeah, we could have our <laughs> own civil war, we couldn't we? We have a, an invasion. <clears throat> anyway, he, he <laughs> describes them like heads of lion, mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. Who knows? You know, people could think of tanks, you know, or some kind of ammunition, um, missiles going off. Who knows all what this could be? John's seeing things. These things weren't even invented at that time. How else do you describe it other than what he could give? I mean, it's very colorful. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have herds, and with them they do heads and with them they do harm. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their immorality nor of their thefts. So people are not being convinced even at this time. A third of mankind being killed. I don't think that's too hard to reason. Could that, could that happen? Yes. This is after the great uh, martyrdom, and also during the great martyrdom? So is it the martyrdom still happening at this time? Well, at this time, we've got the trumpet judgment, and it would be, yeah, even after this now. Mm-hmm. So and, and so people are being killed, whether it would be still some believers out there or mm-hmm. it's just a mankind here. I can see them martyring Christians because they're like, sure, God's fault this is happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's going to happen all during this time. Of course, that's not hard to say because that's happening now in, in our world today, whether it be even in this country a little bit, but not comparatively to what is happening in uh, is Islamic nations. Did they, uh, did they persecute those Christians yesterday? Um, I haven't heard. What was it? Was it supposed to be on Monday? Yeah, it was I saw something on Facebook. Yeah. I sent it on Messenger because I got it from Ed, um, what's his name, Johnny's son-in-law. Ed. 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 Yeah, I got it from him. He said that he looked it up, and there was supposed to be a group of Christians who were going to be martyred during the eclipse. The same hours of the eclipse. Like what group of Christians are we talking about? Uh, just Christian believers in Israel or not in Israel, some place where the Muslims are going to execute. Oh, but not a specific group that's already captured or something. Uh, cap- I don't know. They just all the all the message said was pray for these people. Um, they're going to be exec- these Christians are going to be executed on this day by the yeah. Islamic. I haven't I haven't checked the news. I think that'd be something worth uh, yeah looking up. A lot of times you don't get reports from secular news on those kind of right. things. Yeah, well, I was on Fox News today at lunch. I Nothing. didn't see anything about it. Be interesting to see how that develops if it that's where it's, it goes. It says for Christian missionaries who have been sanctioned to death tomorrow afternoon by the Islamics in Afghanistan. Yeah, so, I don't know. Can you look up Afghanistan missionaries? Voice of the Martyrs might have something. Yeah. Well, on that... Um, on the note of the abomination of desolation and then going in proclaiming himself to be God, you see that in Daniel. You see it in Matthew 24. You see it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then um, John writes about it. It's what we're talking about. And so we're talking about this one man coming in and that's when everything's going to break loose. That's when uh, these these seals 
um, especially your six and seven, are going to mount up uh, in quite a pattern. Um, I think there are a lot of signs to look at. And, of course, they were asking, what are the signs and, and, you know, the time of the end? And one would say, well, it was 70 A.D. And I don't deny that. A lot of it that's found in Luke 21 and Matthew 24 are things that did happen as a judgment on Israel. And we know after 70 A.D., they really, as a nation, they really didn't... uh, They didn't prevail. You know, they... Many of them still lived in that area, and most of them kind of got scattered all over the world. And of course, a lot of them wound up in Europe, and uh, we know a lot even here in America. But uh, many returned back to Israel in 1948. Many were already coming there, but it was declared a state then. The thing is, is that that is Israel. What about the nations? How are they involved in that? See that. There was a judgment on Israel in 70 A.D., but what about judgment on the nations? And that is what we've been looking at in the Old Testament as well as what Jesus uh, uh, Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 and John is writing about. It's not just 70 A.D. That's a precursor, just like Joel 2 was, where you you know the signs, uh, you know the the old men dreaming dreams and and those kind of things, young men, I mean, prophesying and such. But there is an extent where this will go out one day that will come to absolute fruition. Um, look in Revelation chapter 13. We, we spoke about abomination desolation. Well, it's spoken of many times. Jesus prophesied of it, right? John prophesied. Daniel did. In 13a... And the context is Antichrist. You get to 42 months. You know, I keep, I've been saying three and a half years and such. That's where that that last three and a half years come about. Where you know he organizes things. Things are just unleashed. At first, it comes in looking like there's peace. Um, Seven. It was also given him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world. Everybody that's not a Christian or believer will uh, worship this Antichrist or the ones who are in the book of life, the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, the captivity goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here's the perseverance and the faith of the saints. So, as it builds up here, now we've seen, okay, what's context? It's it's this Antichrist. It's this one who came into the temple proclaiming himself to be God. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He said it had two horns like a lamb. He spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast. So this is the false prophet. His presence. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs that even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to form in the presence of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who has had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So here is at this time, this would be this last three and a half. He causes all the small, the great, the rich, the poor, the free men, the slaves to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Provides that no one will be able to bear it by, sell either one who has a mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Of course you get the 666 there. Anyway, what do, what do we have here? We have somebody who makes himself out to be God. False prophet causes people to worship him. Probably. Great signs. There's a lot of people and a lot of evidence that is pointing towards that the Pope is the false prophet. Well, ever since the, uh, uh, I guess you could say the Reformation, mm. uh, you have Calvin and a lot of commentators and Luther. You know, <laughs> the, the, anti, the Antichrist was Pope. The Pope. Yeah. 
you know, the, the Pope at that time. The Quran, um, it talks about killing infidels and committing jihad, which is killing anybody who doesn't believe in the name of Allah. Well, the, the Catholics have a, uh, a certain, like, phrase that they say and believe that if no one believes in them to basically do the same thing and commit torture on people just basically brutalize them and beat them and burn them and torture them until they they believe or until death. They did do that during the Counter-Reformation. It was a Reformation. The Counter-Reformation was the Catholics killing the Protestants. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. Were yeah, the, ones the Jesuits. Yeah. Started that. Uh, in Zechariah 14, Here's what we're talking about, the nations and Jerusalem and Israel. It's not just talking about Israel here. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, half the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and light against, fight against the nations, those nations, as when He fights on a day of battle. What is this? This is the ultimate day of the Lord. This is when Christ comes back. Where is He coming back to? To Jerusalem. Who's there at Jerusalem? The nations. That didn't happen in 70 A.D. This is talking about the fulfillment of it all and, and so he says in verse 4, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. That's literal, isn't it? He will stand, he will come there. Just as you saw me in Acts 2, just as you saw me, I will come back. Right? Which is in front of Jerusalem, on the east. Look at the directions. The words are specific. Mount of Olives, Jerusalem on the east. Very clear. The Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west. That's like what? What could that be? Like an earthquake. Mm-hmm. A great earthquake Those things, that was never before. Yeah. Never will be. A large valley so that half the mountain will move toward the north, the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of my mountains. This is His chosen people as He comes back for them. These are people who in Zechariah 12, they will look upon Him whom they pierced and mourn from Him as the only one. They will repent. They will confess. They will come to faith in Christ as He comes back. It says in Romans chapter 11, and all Israel will be saved. All of Israel that's there. So the, it's not talking the church because in that in that chapter he has been talking about the church is a uh, a branch off of that. Uh, Israel, these are the people that will become saved at that at that time. So is the reason why he's so set on Israel not only because it's his holy land, but does it have anything to do with the promise that he gave Adam and Eve and then Moses and? No, uh... Namely, yeah, that's it's seed building up, but namely we can go back and see the promise made to Abraham. Mm. Okay. And as he speaks specifically, it's and I love promise theology because we get to get in on that. Because mm-hmm. we, we were inherited into that promise. Right. But there's a specific group of people and people that go do expository have to at least say, yes, God still has a plan for Israel. They may not want to see that delineation, but they still, even Martin Lloyd-Jones said, you know, he didn't say that at first. He said, Israel is Israel. That's the church. Well, you can't read that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. You can't read it that way, and he knew it. So as he approached it, he had to be honest. He says, okay, I don't know when this is going to be, but there's going to be an in-gathering of the people of Israel, you know, the Jews, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you when that'll be. He wouldn't say it was going to be at the end time, but he did say, "I have to agree that yes, that will be a group." How else can you interpret it? Right. Or you just throw everything out the window, throw the hermeneutics out. No more longer are there rules. You just put it out the way you want to believe it because it fits your own theology. Right. And in Zechariah 14, we have the coming. Uh, the context is him coming back. Look in verse six. In that day, there will be no light. But look, the luminaries will dwindle. For it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord. Yesterday was very unique, wasn't it? Kind of eerie when it got pretty dark. Uh, Neither day nor night, but it will come about that at evening time there will be light. 
no longer do we you know, it's things have changed things change in Jerusalem in that day living waters will flow out of Jerusalem half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea the dead sea will come alive and you have the Mediterranean Sea which would then to the west the eastern sea would be known as that dead sea it will be in summer as well as in winter. Anyway, the, the context, you keep going, look in verse 9. Here we go. The Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and His name the only one. That's not a past tense, is it? This is a future tense and it's when, when, when is it? When Christ comes back on that day, that this is the day of the Lord. And then he talks about the land changing. Talks about you know the Benjamin's gate, the first corner gate, and, and all those things. He's talking about tongue will rot in their mouths, uh, great panic, and, and flesh will rot. All of those things that we have been seeing in all those Old Testament passages that we started with, and then in, in, in Revelation. I've done this so quickly. I really haven't probably treated it. I you know I don't want to go over and over and over on it, but. Um, I have to be convinced there is a lot of literalness there that we cannot blank out. And the only way we could spiritualize it is saying, well, this is a, it's a believer and an unbeliever. And when Christ comes back to the Mount of Olives, it's when He comes into your heart and now, you know, there's the second coming. No. That is... That's dangerous. And there's some... Uh, Views that well, Christ came back at 70 A.D. Major problems. Why are the rest of us still here? Jesus said they will look. They will see him. Uh, Zechariah says they will look upon him as they, as they see him and mourn for their sins. They will. They're a literal seeing of Christ. So, uh, yeah, 70 A.D. There's there's some truths. There's pictures. There's previews there. Uh, definitely, but it is not the end just like it was not the end day of the Lord in the Old Testament. When that was definitely day of the Lord, but there's an ultimate. And by the way, as Mick pointed out last week, and according to Second Peter, after the kingdom time, there will be one more uprising and there will be a cleansing. And of course, that uprising is going to go out yeah. like that. And there the elements of the earth and in the heavens will be loosened. They will be destroyed and that's it, ruined. And He will recreate the heavens and the earth. New heavens and new earth. And and so, that is an ultimate... What is it called in Peter? The day of God whenever He then is now... Everything is all brought back to the perfect unity after all those. So there's a lot of things that are to go on before we think of the last of the last days. So Bell hasn't even been locked up yet. No. <laughs> we opened it up with all these seals. Jesus is speaking about the same thing that John later is going to be speaking about. John already heard it before, but then he gets more details, doesn't he? than even what Jesus had and adds to it. You put them together and then you go back to the book of Daniel, go back to Zechariah. Uh, my, you go, you go through so many Old Testament prophets especially. I find one thing I find interesting is like how we know that just like there was the prophets before there was Christ, you know, there was the prophets and there was John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. You know, they all led up to His coming and just like that, you know, we have almost the same thing on the flip side, the Antichrist. How he does, he counterfeits everything. So it's his counterfeit, and it almost leads up to him actually being here. So Christ was here once, right. and then left, and now the devil's like, it's going to be my turn soon, and he needs everything to be in its place before he can come, before God can allow him to do what he wants. Of course, so God uses the destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> to clean house, doesn't he? But so God's in control of all. But yet at the same time, you look at it, it looks like the enemy is really winning at this time, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And I believe in our time, who knows when this could this could still be years and years. It could be decades. It could be hundreds of years. So I, I never put a date on it, or it could be very very soon in our time. I, I don't know, but I do know there are a lot more things that are now put into place than there were. 
back whenever uh, I first started reading this, you know, back in the 70s, whenever I first started studying. Um, and now it's like, but I don't want to read every every newspaper article and, and make that, you know, try to come to fruition. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's to be wise with things, but at the same time, knowing that uh, for our time, we look to Christ to come back. We don't have to look at these. We look to Him to come back. But for those who are unbelievers, here's your signs. There they are. But they still don't get it unless they become Christians. Right. And they say uh, Israel right now is trying to get a peace treaty going. They've been wanting that. <laughs> Why? Because they want, they want a temple. They, they, they want, want sacrifice. They're trying to what? They're uh, getting ready to sign a peace treaty. Uh, Donald Trump even sent some 